welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Joining us here is Jed Brewer. So I have a soda in front of me that says on it, the Cardi B and Offset meal. And, you know, I know this is a safe place, so I'd like to share that while I do know who Cardi B is, I I assume Offset is a musician, but I have no idea. Do, do we know who Offset is? Uh, I believe you're correct that he is he is a hip hopist. I believe ah. he is um, in a relationship with Ms. B. Ah, ah. got well. That's that's clarifying, which would explain why they're they're doing that. He is apparently one of the Migos. Oh, okay. well, I have enjoyed their music from Atlanta. I think. Yes, that's right. Thank you for tuning in to middle-aged white men learn a thing about pop culture. <laughs> <laughs> Or as it's known, pretty much every other podcast. (laughs) Brought to you by McDonald's. I'm loving it. We're also joined by the magic of the internet, a place where you can also learn if pop culture has passed you by. All their merchants in by Lee Younger. Yes, I'm here. I just have a a standard Diet Dr. Pepper. And uh, there are no... Is it sponsored by anyone? No musicians were a part of bringing me this drink. And now I feel really sad. Dr. Pepper brought to you by Burt Bacharach. May he rest in peace. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Dr. Pepper, we can only afford the long dead pop stars to be (laughs) sponsored by. (laughs) Dr. Pepper brought to you by Old Blue Eyes, who definitely did not drink Dr. Pepper. Well, not alone, but if you mix enough (laughs) Crown Royal in it. I like the idea that I'm trying to think of a Texas-based one as Dr. Pepper is Texas-based. Well, the first one that came to mind was Willie Nelson, but you'd have to be very sure. clear that this was not CBD-infused if it was a Willie yeah. Nelson mustard <laughs> soda. Like, that would have to be half the can. <laughs> like, no, seriously, we're not speaking in code. It's not in there. Please don't ask. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could, you could do a Stevie Ray Vaughan uh, collab sure. if you wanted to be Texan with your Dr. Pepper. You know, I mean... His his licks are nearly as tasty as the secret recipe that informs Dr. Pepper. Twenty three flavors. Uh-huh. Some argue that that's too many, and it's <laughs> it's really just showing off more than it is pleasant to the flavor. But we don't agree with that here at Dr. Pepper. If you uh, know who I'm fascinated on the cross section of our audience who knows who Offset and Stevie Ray Vaughan are. Yes. Oh, that would be interesting. That may have been a zero. Yeah, if you know who both of those are, we'll find some kind of swag to send your way if you write in and let us know. Yeah. We've probably got something. It's impressive. That is but indeed impressive. Honor system, though, like you can't Google them and then say you know who they are because that, that would be uncool. So you, you had to have known. So you know what? Let your conscience be your guide, listener. <laughs> I, think, okay. I think that's the first time that Jiminy Cricket has ever been quoted with that level of aggression. <laughs> been a very layered and complex podcast intro (laughs) weird references and sponsor deals and semi-threatening moral (laughs) scolding of the audience Um, i don't get to scold people very often i have to go for it when i can that's that's, not really my my thing that's fair Uh, you know we took a week off maybe we maybe this was all just backed up uh uh we do uh we missed you last week we hope you missed us as well Maybe you went back and listened to another episode. That's great. We've made a lot of them. Um, <laughs> we uh, we were off for Super Bowl Sunday. 
and also because I contracted a little virus you may have heard of called COVID-19. Ouch. Oh! In 2023, which felt very retro. Yeah, you know. Telling people you have COVID in February of of 2023 is being like, hey, did you guys ever hear Game of Thrones? I just found (laughs) it. That's pretty neat. Also, and I will admit to this, I believe... Jen Lee, you guys both contracted COVID relatively early into the whole proceeding. Yeah. yeah. Um, I got yeah, pretty, that's true. I got pretty lucky. My, you know, my wife and I both worked from home the whole time. So yeah. you know, it was just didn't have kids in the house and all that and whatnot. Um, so obviously it was just, you know, vaccines, which yay vaccines, luck, all that. But because I'm a middle-aged white man, around late 2022, there's also part of my brain that was like, it's also possible I'm just built different. If this were some kind of, uh, you know, why the last man scenario, I would have like the (laughs) the right amount of midichlorians or whatever to just, this virus doesn't work on me. Turns out not the case, not (laughs) built different. I want to see a reboot of I'm legend, but just with Matt King and like, no, like hunting or anything like that. Just, just like the normal kind of Matt King routines, just leaving the vampire uh, zombies alone. If they leave me alone. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) He's like, hey guys, calm down. (laughs) I don't, I don't need you. You guys can have like almost all of New York. Just yeah, I I just need as long as the Wi-Fi is up, we're all good. I need a block to be able to walk with my headphones in. Will you guys let me do that? Yeah, just be cool. Then come with some timeshare situation here. (laughs) Matt's like, I just need all the Carly Rae Jepsen that's already been released. That's right. Yeah. I need you guys to stay over there in the corner. You guys, you guys don't have any any use for polished Canadian pop. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Well, uh, six minutes into the recording, we've call, fallen back into the groove here, and it is time to declare an emergency. Uh oh. Ooh. That's right. All that stuff was just normal. Now <laughs> we're at the emergency. <laughs> Um, uh, we, I found, ran across a tweet last week, which fired my imagination, which if you've been a long, been a long time listening to this show, you know, me, you know, means it's something horrible. Yeah. And, uh, this flavor of horrible comes from a Twitter user, Emily. It says our town apparently just got a Christian escape room. Oh, <clears throat> so I, is I, that a room you can go to, to escape from Christians? <laughs> because that, I gotta be honest, I'm interested. <laughs> that would be a profitable enterprise. Um, so I, I tried to do some digging and didn't really find anything. Somebody asked and she, she sent a link to something called revelescapes.com, which I, is supposed to be short for revelation escapes, Bull. but there's not like, you can't like click on it and get a description or anything. Okay. So, um, this got me thinking of, apparently this is a, a, a emerging business space okay. and your assembled hostess here have a fair amount of experience, either physically or mentally, escaping from Christians. <laughs> well, that is true. Um, during conversations, ducking out when the, our part of the thing is over, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I'm just wondering, what, what could we pitch as Christian escape room consultants? Oh. Well, you have to think about what what the Christians expect this thing to be and what would actually what would actually interest the public those are two different spaces altogether i mean you know it's like there it's it's not a new thing at all for christians to to put on you know the hell house kind of thing at halloween sure 
And so that's probably something that would occur to people fairly immediately. And so you, you have to deal with the, the subset of the population that just expects this to be a hell house. I think the hell house thing is very interesting because this is, that is the Christian take on a haunted house. Right. If you're not familiar and I hope you're not. Right. Um, yeah. You know, a haunted house. Imagine if Baptists put it together. <laughs> hell house. It's all, oh, you're, you're about to get caught by secular humanism. Ah. <laughs> and there's like no guy with a chainsaw or anything entertaining. Um, but an escape room is obviously a little different than a haunted house. So we're not going for, for terror as much as kind of a puzzle to solve. That's right. Yeah. Which I think is an interesting, yeah. uh, differentiation. Uh, somebody in the tweet comments mentioned, and I think this is a good idea that would be logistically challenging a Jonah themed escape room. <laughs> oh, okay. You'd yeah. have to have a fair amount okay. of capital for that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I do like the idea of like being you know you're inside the whale but they've done the work where they've really mapped out what a whale's stomach is like you know sure. and it's it's pretty detailed like i i'm not sure anyone would go for that but just from a craftsmanship standpoint i, I would appreciate that sure revelation escapes in partnership with the shed aquarium brings you the jonah escape room <laughs> exactly exactly well like you know i mean and actually, what would be fun, right, is if you could find your way to the blowhole and it becomes part escape room, part water park, right? And you exit it by being blasted out of a water jet. <laughs> ah. That that would be something. That would be something. Now, let me let me pitch something that's maybe a little less um, logistically fantastic, but uh, maybe we can, you know, uh, different end of the spectrum. The church themed escape room. But in the sense of you have to, the ch church service is over and you now have to get out of here. Oh, that's good. And there's yeah. like the people who are doing a little too much chatting. You have you did not get back to so and so about volunteering. That's for right. The thing. So you got to get around them. Maybe the pastor is pretty clear that this wasn't his best work sermon wise. And he's got that look on his face like he'd really like to ask someone. Yeah. How'd, how'd you enjoy that? And have them, you know, say something positive, you know, a series of of kind of mousetrap like scenarios that you have to uh, expertly avoid and get to the sweet, sweet parking lot. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And you have, that's very, you have very to, good. You have to not get signed up to bring a casserole to the, you know, to, to whoever's having surgery on Wednesday or whatever the thing is. Yeah. 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 I think a lot of sign up tables to avoid. <laughs> the thing that occurred to me in, in a slightly different direction is when, when you, you know, when, when you talked about the, 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 the puzzling and the problem solving and that it usually takes to get out of these escape rooms is how excited would all the reformed bros be if it was just a room that was like, there's just bookshelves on the walls and they just nerdily go through the volumes and find, you know, quotations from their favorite, like Puritan theologian. Ooh. Oh, well, now I think we've hit on a money-making idea because much in the same way we have pitched various um, AI C.S. Lewis related things where he tells the Theobro or the pastor ever that that was a very smart thing they said. And we assume they'll pay up to all of their money for that to happen. Yeah. I think similarly, yeah, it's an escape room, but it's just an atheist at the door 
and you have to put together the right selection oh, of dude. esoteric That's Christian it. quotes to render him speechless. That's... Or similarly, go back to the the Hell House thing that that Lee started us off with. Kind of a reverse Hell House because we know the main thing a huge segment of particularly American Christians want to do, want is to be persecuted. Right. So they're in there getting persecuted and they have to escape. Like create the, oh. the thing where Christianity is el- has been declared illegal by, I don't know, whoever they think is going to do that. Moderate <laughs> Democrats, I guess. <laughs> sure. Yes. Um, t- multiple time a week churchgoer, Joe Biden has declared Christianity illegal for some reason. <laughs> and you have to get out to somewhere else. You hate all the foreign sure. countries. We'll figure that part out later. Um, sure. To freedom land. Yeah. But then here's the, the beautiful money-making part. Instead of like having to pay employees to play the roles or set up the traps or whatever, um, we just let people come in off the street who have Christians have been really uncool to, and they get to hurl abuse and persecute the Christians. Uh, I think they'll oh. pay as well. And that's what you call double income streams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of people who would like, you know, in 30-minute bursts, there to be this weird upside-down where... Christianity, white Christians are marginalized, uh, you know, minority that everyone is being actively mean to all the time. And uh, I, I think they spent a lot of time just trying to create that in the real world. If they could just, you know, pay 20 bucks and come on down to the persecution room. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, I think there's money to be made there. And that there. is normally a good place to declare emergency off. We're going to transition into your fine questions for this week. If you have a question for us, I'll give you some ways to get in touch with us. If you hang out with us all the way to the end. Our first question comes in and says, people were talking about how the Grammys and the Super Bowl halftime show were quote unquote satanic. Are people serious with that? Why are people so weird about that stuff? That is a great and wide-ranging question. <laughs> um, people are definitely weird about the stuff. Uh, seriousness, we can get into that. But uh, Jed, yes, um, here's here's a shocking thing. I know you're not a huge sports guy, so I'll, I'll catch you up. Uh, Christians are being weird about pop music performances. What? <laughs> a new and frightening revelation. Well, where will we start with it? I've never heard of such a thing. <laughs> Well, it turns out that there's a whole industry who makes money by being outraged. Mm. In this particular case, they make money by being outraged by Hollywood slash the liberal media. But kind of regardless, they're outraged because that's their job. I want you to do a thought experiment with me for a second. I'm going to intentionally pick like the most innocuous thing that I can think of. Um, uh, I want you to think of like the Mattel toy company, right? Like I think they make like matchbox cars and Barbie dolls is basically what they're known for. Suppose someone came to you and they said, I will pay you $500,000 a year. And here's your job is to describe to people that Mattel toys is the worst thing in the world. I want you to figure out everything, not only everything that is wrong with Mattel toys, I want you to figure out everything that could be wrong with Mattel toys. Anything they do, I want you to think of the worst possible interpretation of it. 
the darkest timeline, the most insidious thing it could be. And feel free to use your imagination. The main thing is I want you to paint the Mattel toy company in as awful of a light as possible. And I'm going to motivate you with $500,000 a year. I know that sounds silly. Stay with me for a second. If someone offered you to pay you that money, you would get amazingly creative Mm. at how bad Mattel Toys is. For $500,000 a year, you can find all kinds of reasons why matchbox cars are a tool of Satan. I guarantee you can, because you're motivated to find that. What do you need matches for? To flame the fires of hell? (laughs) (laughs) Yes! You've got it. You've got it. Now, uh, there, there's two things to know on that. The first is, functionally speaking, that is what's going on. There is a big industry with, like, uh, like way more than $500,000. Like, so much money is at stake. If people will keep coming up with reasons why the latest pop song is actually a love song about Satan. And the latest pop culture event that happened is actually about how they hate Christians. If you can just keep thinking of reasons why everything that's going on is the worst, we will give you all the money in the world. That, that is functionally speaking a real thing that's going on. But here's the other thing that's going on that kind of in a weird way makes it stick, right? Cause it feels silly. Like it's a Matt's box car. Yeah. You can come up with lines about how, you know, matches in hell and fire and whatnot. You can talk yourself into a feeling. Mm. Hang with me for a second. You can talk yourself into a feeling. Think of someone who lives near you, your neighbor, you don't really have any feelings about at all. If you spent the next month just trying to work (laughs) up a good anger and resentment towards that neighbor, you could absolutely do it. You could absolutely talk yourself into hating your neighbor. You can absolutely do that. And so we get this weird feedback loop for a lot of the folks that are in a position of influence where they're basically being paid to tell you why any form of pop media is a direct tool of Satan. And they are kind of making it up, but they're saying it so often they're also talking themselves into it as they're doing it. It is this weird cycle of like, I'm being paid to tell you that Matchbox cars are the devil, but I'm kind of starting to think they are the devil because I've spent so much time thinking about it. It really is in effect of an echo chamber, and it it really is going on. So to, to answer your questions, you know, are they being serious with that? Yeah, they're being super serious with that because it's it's literally their job. But your second question was, why are people so weird about this stuff? And basically, if you can dig it, it's, it's opportunism. Um, at least in the political sphere, one of the major political parties in the United States at least as of today, has very, very, very little to offer to people who are not in the top 0.1% of earners in the United States. And so they need some way to garner votes. And the thing that they've discovered that gets people to vote is the perception of a culture war. That's why they need people to believe that their values are under attack. That's why they need people to believe that some dark force is trying to destroy their children and corrupt their soul and ruin everything that's good. None of which are true. None of those things are true at all. But if I can't convince you to vote for my party with um, the changes I want to make to marginal tax rates, I've got to do something else. And at this point, 
convincing people that they are in a culture war, which is what all of that outrage stuff is about, that gets a certain critical number of people to vote and to vote consistently. That is why they are doing it. I don't know, Jed. Do you have, I don't know, let's call it several thousands of data points about that? (laughs) I do! Unique and independent situations where the exact same nonsense was said? Yes! Here's a fun thing, kids. Speaking of uh, things you may not have heard of, you probably heard of a goofy song your dad listened to in the car called Louie Louie, which there were congressional hearings about. Right. Yep. 100% FBI investigations. Yep. The FBI got into if Louie Louie, which if you've never heard that, take a minute, go to YouTube, type that in. This is a song the establishment was frightened of. <laughs> as, as a preview, and no one knows all the words for sure, but it, it basically begins... Louie Louie, oh baby, oh we gotta go, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, and that's pretty much the, the, uh, the level of sinisterness it stays on. <laughs> Louie, short for Lucifer, only one way to find oh, out. And that's with oh hundreds of millions of dollars of federal money. Dude! <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder if anybody made that point at the time. I hope I'm not the one who came up with that. Uh, uh, so, you know. A lot of great stuff there. And and Lee, I think Jed is right on. Yeah. There's definitely a the cultural aspect, the kind of the industry aspect of that. There's another part of this, I think, which is some people are just kind of bored and talking about the devil's like super dramatic mm. because it's a distraction from like, you know, their life and maybe their problems and stuff. And I think that's an important aspect to how people are reacting but also how they're trying to get you to get wound up about something as well right yeah i mean i completely and totally agree with jed and and everything that he laid out there and 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 that is kind of that's very much the the them version or the them aspect of of what we're talking about i want to talk about the you aspect on this because that's a, super important as well and and I, i'm also glad matt brought up louis louis because What's interesting is, you know, whatever, like whatever music that was popular that, you know, like the age of your parents listened to, there were folks that were their parents' age at the time who told them their music was satanic and encouraged them to burn their records and all of those things. And so this has been happening for as long as there has been radio or popular music. Some people are just weird and and afraid of things they don't understand as well. And, and a lot of this is, uh, apart from, you know, the outrage that, that Jeb was talking about, which is very, very motivated by a lot of, of influential forces, some people, and, and this, is, this is why they're able to do this, they just get weird and afraid when they don't understand something or when they don't connect to something. Yeah. And here's the really good news for you. So I think all the them stuff that, that Jeb was breaking down is absolutely true. Here's the you piece of this. You get to ignore them. Yeah. You, you get to not tune in to, to all of those opinions and all of that stuff and people freaking out about like, and here's the thing. If you're, if, you know, I'm assuming that if you're connecting with this podcast that you have some interest in, in God, or maybe you're a believer in Jesus, you walk with the Lord, you go to church, whatever. Um, this is some really good news for you. You get to play Dungeons and Dragons and you get to listen to rock music and you get to listen to whatever music you want to listen to. And you get to listen to, you know, Rihanna, you get to listen to whomever. And, 
you know, it's like whatever they played on the Grammys or the, or the Super Bowl halftime show, um, you get to engage with that if you like it. And also, you get to decide that you don't like it, even though it's not satanic. Because, again, it's not satanic. Um, and this, I think, is a really interesting thing for any, especially for anybody that is, like, seeking to walk with the Lord or follow the Lord in any way, is I want you to go on the adventure of finding out what you do like and why you like it. Apart from anybody trying to scare you, apart from anybody trying to make you afraid about anything or or freak out or be dramatic because, like Matt said, they are bored or they are just uncomfortable or they are just afraid. In your life, what is what is the thing that you connect with? What gives you a sense of, like, what do you listen to or engage with that gives you a sense of peace, that gives you a sense of joy, that gives you a sense of connection with your friends? All of those things are super important. They're all a super important part of the unique person that God made you to be. And the cool thing is, is if you are a person that follows the Lord, he would love to go on that journey with you and have those conversations and talk about why you are the you that you are. And the thing that I really, really want to stress here is the whole palette is open for you to paint with. You get to try stuff. You get to listen to stuff. You get to play games, uh, you know, watch movies and figure out what is it that I engage with? What is it that I like? What gives me a sense of joy and purpose? Um, this is just a, a, a little peek behind the curtain for me. I have found out in the past, uh, I, f- I started finding out during the pandemic. I had a friend who encouraged me to download an app where you can, you can hit a button and your phone starts recording uh, the sounds and it tells you what birds are in your yard. And I, you know, you're stuck at home a lot and here we are. We can't, I can't go anywhere today. So I'm just going to turn on the, I'm going to turn on the sound thing that, that tells me what birds are in. The, and now here I am like two and a half years later. I love birds. I love learning about them. I love, I love knowing their calls. I love being able, I, I've got a bunch of bird feeders in my yard and it's just a thing that has brought me a lot of peace and a lot of joy. And I, and, and, and some connection with other friends that I have that also love birds. I didn't know that about me. It's something that I found out here in my mid forties. Here we go. We let, we do birds now. The, the, the thing that I'm trying to say for you is outside of anybody that, that is on their weird thing for whatever their weird reason is, um, find out what you like and why you like it. What gives you peace and joy? What gives you connection with your friends and go on that journey unafraid by anybody that wants to freak you out and find out more and more about who you are. That's all fantastic stuff. Uh, from both of these guys, and it's 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 worth pointing out. You you make the question of do these people are these people being serious? Serious maybe uh, a little bit a bridge too far, but as Jed points out, for some of these people, whether it's just been wound up on it for so long, or it's part of your your job or part of your identity, I think there is a thing where it just gets easier to start off believing it than to go through the mental effort of admitting that it's nonsense and saying it anyway. Um, and so I think there's, there's kind of an interesting psychological factor there. Whereas as Jed said, this may not be, they believe it, therefore they say it, but I think there's a lot of people have been saying stuff long enough that they just started believing it just to save time in their own, their own brain. 
But there's also an aspect of this, which is just kind of patently ridiculous in the sense of like, <laughs> Bible doesn't talk about Satan a lot. Doesn't really describe him physically. Um, the, you know, the, the goat horns thing. That's, that's, that's all, that's all comes from like way, way, way after. Um, a, a non-binary pop star at the Grammys wearing plastic devil horns is like probably not what is being described in the scriptures. That's a little, a little on the nose. Also, I do believe the, the it was like the Sam Smith Kim Petra song was the one they all freaked out about at the Grammys, which that's a trans person or non-binary person. So showing your cards there a little bit in some ways, but also, um, as I understand it, there was a song called unholy. It's about how it's bad to cheat on your spouse. Yeah. <laughs> it's about someone getting corrupted into cheating on their spouse by some kind of unholy force. That's what you weirdos think about the devil too. <laughs> it's just, they put red lighting on it and plastic horns. What is going on? Why are you that easy to trick? That's my main question. Jed, one more thing. Well, right along with that, I've pulled up, so you're absolutely right, the the Bible really does not say very much about Satan, but there is one key moment, and I've pulled up Luke chapter 4, where we have, in the same space at the same time, we have Jesus and the devil. And there's there's three temptations that the devil puts on Jesus, and there's going to be a really, really interesting thing that actually pertains to politics. Temptation number one is misuse of power. You have the ability to make things be a certain way. You should use it for personal gain. That's temptation number one. Temptation number two is a lust for power, the amassing of power. That's temptation number two. And temptation number three is spectacle. It's worth thinking about. Those are the temptations that the devil puts on Jesus. None of them actually have anything to do with gender. None of them appear to have anything to do with sexuality. They have to do with power and the abuse of power and the abuse of spectacle, which are all things that are unavoidable in the world of politics and celebrity religion. That is really something for you to think about. And I think it's worth as a thought experiment asking yourself, how often when people describe something as satanic, is it ever anything to do with the misuse of power and political power and the misuse of spectacle in the context of a ruler? Because otherwise, we're using the word satanic in a way that doesn't have anything to do with the way the devil is portrayed in the Bible. Yes, indeed. Uh, and critically, here, here's a way that the—one thing that the devil's—the Bible is pretty clear about the devil. You don't know it's him. Yeah. <laughs> that's his whole thing. Whether that be from one side or the other, uh, that's kind of a pretty good litmus test. If he's on national television— Wearing red horns, singing about being the devil. Probably not. Yeah, it skipped the angel of light bit right there. Yeah. Um, and that brings us to a bonus secondary emergency. Oh. oh. Uh, on theme uh, with our fine first question here. And uh, this is a, a, an article from uh, January um, from Relevant Magazine. Uh, the headline of which says, Priest who temporarily died says he went to hell and they play Rihanna's music to torture people. <laughs> sure, man. So uh, we're, we're just going to walk through this because there's some there's some amazing stuff here. First and foremost, this goes back to you guys. Remember when we talked about the uh, the story the person tweeted of like 
going to youth camp and then pulling off, oh, Pastor Ricky died yeah. on the way here. And yeah. he saw hell and he comes with a dire warning. Why do all these people make up lies about not only near death, but going to hell? Right. <laughs> yeah. Because spoiler, yeah. this dude's still trying to be a pastor. That's a weird move. Yeah, aren't you the people that yeah. are like, you're you're the person that can tell me how to avoid hell? Like, I figured you've got the pass, right? You got the keys. Yeah, like, and also, like, if you ever preach a sermon again about, like, the actual way the Bible talks about salvation with the the free gift of God and all who, you, who believe will be saved and all that stuff, like, shouldn't someone raise their hand and be like, uh, yes, I have a question about some other things you said <laughs> based on what you're saying now, because was there some kind of loophole or something? So Dude. a priest from Michigan claims that in 2016, he died after suffering a heart attack, went to hell and witnessed unbelievable moments of torture and pain. Uh, Pastor Gerald Johnson saw demons enslaving humans and a man walking on all fours like a dog and getting burned from head to toe. His eyes were bulging and worse than that. He was wearing chains on his neck. I don't know if that's worse than eyes bulging being burned head to toe, but um, sure. he was like a hellhound. Mm. But the worst torture Johnson saw, he said there's a section of hell where music is played, but not just any music. He could specifically hear Rihanna's Umbrella and Bobby McFerrin's Don't Worry, Be Happy what? being used for torture. Cool. <laughs> now, lest he be sued... Johnson clarified it wasn't the original version of the songs. It was a group of demons performing them incorrectly as torture. Which, um, I'm not giving this any credence otherwise, but I do think a very unskilled person trying to perform Don't Worry, Be Happy for eight minutes would be some kind of hellish experience. Look, I mean, the fact that you Absolutely. have multiple demons doing it, the whole Bobby McFerrin thing is he's the, only, yeah, he's the only musician on there. <laughs> it's, they somehow do a multi-person instrumental of Don't Worry, Be Happy. <laughs> It's like, no, that's wrong at every turn. This truly is the pit of evil. <laughs> I, I I do have a kind of a technical question here. So it turns out, right, that um, in order legally, in order to perform a song, like you do have to pay rights to the publishing holders. And you typically do that through a group like BMI or ASCAP. Are the folks in hell, are the demons paying royalties like they should? Because... The estate of Bobby McFerrin does deserve compensation for having their material performed. And if they're performing it that regularly, like there's a fair amount of money at stake here. So I want to know if BMI and ASCAP have uh, investigated this priest's claims. I, I think this is worth digging into. Now, Jed, I understand you're making one of your very, very funny jokes. Um, but are you meaning to imply that it is beyond the realms of belief that BMI and ASCAP are in league with Satan? <laughs> I'm not implying that at all. Because I think uh, many people in uh, Nashville and L.A. would uh, find that very easy to believe. Yeah. Just some guy at Capitol Records. And like, oh, I'm sorry, uh, Prince of Darkness calling. I have to take this. Just a moment. <laughs> this, this seems to me like one of those things where, you know, I, I don't know if you guys have ever heard the phrase like, hey, if you tell me you don't like Beethoven, you're telling me more about you than you are about Beethoven. Right? Right. Uh, and this is one of those deals where it's like, <clears throat> we're learning a lot about you, Mr. Priest. Um, we're learning about the things that you feel bad about, about what you're going through, um, what you've, you got some stuff that you need to deal with. I don't think we're actually learning about hell and the particular uh, tools of torture that exist there. 
Yeah. No, I, I, I wonder if what we're learning is that this guy had a, a heart attack, uh, while the radio or some kind of music was on that switched between these two songs. <laughs> and maybe through a abundance of guilty conscience, he assumed that he was headed for eternal torment and kind of conflated those bunch of things. But, um, it does bring up the interesting point of a, what would your personal, uh, hell soundtrack be? Wow. Mm. I think Jed recently revealed on this show That's that it would probably feature a uh, meatloaf. And who was the other? Yeah. Just can't do it. Kid rock, kid rock and meatloaf. Yeah. Just which, back to back for all eternity, which have probably done a concert together for Look, some horrible, horrible thing. This is, yeah. this is not because it, 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 uh, leads ev- all the hosts on this show to immediately think about hilarious quotes from a movie that we all love. But man, I can't stand the Eagles. I cannot <laughs> stand anything by the Eagles. And Lee, get out of my cab. <laughs> and it's, hey, at least all the songs are seven minutes long. <laughs> it's one of those deals where when people find out that, you know, oh, you play the electric guitar or you play the acoustic guitar. Oh, you sing. Oh, you, you write songs. You must love the Eagles, man. Let's talk about the Eagles. And it's like, man, I don't want to be in this conversation with you any longer. I cannot stand the Eagles. You've had a long night and you hate the Eagles. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yes. There yeah. would be a dark irony to Hotel California being played in hell. <laughs> yeah. The first time, by the billionth time, you're like, yeah, yeah, we can never leave. We get it. <laughs> this one thinks he's clever. Jeez. <laughs> well, to the point of Kid Rock, it didn't make anything. I think I, I have shared this story in the the podcast before of being in the dentist chair and that like awful, awful uh, song where Kid Rock samples the the guitar riff from Sweet Home Alabama came on. Yeah, and, and I've never been more aware of the fact that I couldn't escape a place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I do think that kind of thing, uh, Ice Ice Baby, just a series of songs where. The first five seconds make you go, oh. And then you're like, oh, no, oh, it's the other oh, one. Oh, no, it's the other one. Yeah. Like, hey, Queen, oh. And <laughs> Queen and Bowie. Hey, Warren Zeeb, oh. <laughs> yeah, well, now you're going back and informing the emergency about the Christian escape room. Now there's a whole new layer for ah. the Christian escape room. Because escape rooms typically, like, you know, it gets more intense the closer you get to the hour, you know? Like, past 30 yeah. minutes, they really start, you know, kind of, changing the environment so that you become more and more stressed out. So I, I I would think that in the Christian escape room, it's like the, you know, the amount of Amy Grant and, uh, you know, Carmen increases as you, Oh yeah. As you don't get these puzzles worked out. Oh yeah. Well, what you gotta be thinking is that one version of hell is a dance club, which to begin with, that makes sense. But, Sure. It's a dance club specifically with a DJ that's doing his own mashups, all of which are designed for maximum disappointment. So it's always sure. like he's taken a loop from a song you really love, and then he's mashed it up with a song you really, really hate. And it's just that for all eternity. Right. So like you hear the opening chords of Free Fallen, and it's like, oh, man, this is going to be amazing. This is going to be amazing. And then it's a Tomlin song. Like, it's just that over and over and over again for all eternity. Yeah, I, I'm thinking in the mashup sense, kind of, you know, there's a, a unique nightmarishness. We've touched many times on the show before 
uh, with the Christian version of the pop song. Yeah. Yeah. Or kind of that. But I'm also picturing like it going the other way and just like the most uh, idiosyncratically bad uh, pop act to cover like pretty decent, the decent Christian songs be like, it's a Rich Mullins cover. Well, that could be by Color Me Bad. Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, cool. It's that hymn that everybody universally loves, but it's by UB40. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. The Spice Girls present How Great Thou Art. (laughs) (laughs) I I do remember seeing uh, way back in the 90s, a far side cartoon that to go back to what Matt was, what you guys were saying about the, uh, you know, just the, the kind of horns and the pitchfork. And it was like the entrance to hell, big long, long line of people. And Satan is standing there handing everyone banjos and just says, welcome to hell. Here's your banjo. Yeah. 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 Come on, man. Yeah. Now I'm just thinking about, uh, about the, there's a, if you want to have a, a decent time with some of this awfulness, uh, please do um, just Google the far side hell because he really did some great ones. <laughs> he really, did. I'm watching, looking at one where it's two guys in hell and the demons poking people. And one's like whispering to the other. And the caption just says, I hate this place. <laughs> Perfect. And yeah, you don't have to come. You don't have to make up weird stories about, uh, why you as a man of the cloth went to hell and they were playing Rihanna's most popular song there. Um, that's just, you can just make a nice cartoon. If you really want to talk about hell, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. As ever a, a odd, but unique plea to members of clergy in America, be more like Gary Larson, (laughs) (laughs) be clever. And be one panel long, if we're being honest. <laughs> All right. With that said, we will move on to our final question here. It comes in anonymously and says, how would you define woke? Is it a term as a Christian we should be associated with? I've heard different definitions and even have suggested, some have suggested quite dark origins of the phrase. So I'm really unsure whether it's something I should use or relate to. Thanks. So we super appreciate your question. Um, we, we are going to endeavor as we answer this question to not conflate your um, good faith, earnest question about the term woke with our feelings about people who go on and on about anti wokeness and woke being bad um, because we made that pretty clear. Um, And also uh, it's not what you're asking. Um, I think what you're asking is an interesting thing. We uh, were talking before the show. We do have an international audience. So maybe Maybe you may be from a slightly different culture or you're not super up on uh, American uh, linguistic uh, peculiarities. <laughs> and also, it must be said, the term woke is an interesting thing as it developed on the Internet and on a particular uh, corner of the Internet, mostly populated by black Americans on like Twitter and stuff. So um, there's a lot going on here. We're not going to be able to give you a de- dictionary definition of woke. Because uh, such a thing does not exist. This is kind of a living and active term that gets used in different ways by different people. But what we can do is look at this idea of why and how someone might try to convince you that it is bad or has dark origins, which again, given what it actually means, where it comes from, that's an interesting use of phrase. 
on someone's part. Hmm. I'm getting a lot of very large facial expressions <laughs> in the video that you guys can't see based uh-huh. on that one. But before I hand it over to these guys, I will I will do the 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 very quick um quick and easy definition of pretty much generally uh, when people are not making fun of them, they're talking about woking wokeness either on either side they're pretty much talking about acknowledging that racism exists most of the time in America. So if someone's pro that there you go. If someone's anti that, that's pretty much what they're being anti is you shouldn't be telling me and making me think about the fact that there is racism in the world, maybe in a system I benefited from because that makes me sad. Yeah. And as is the uh, Christian worldview in America for a lot of people, if something makes me sad, it can't be true which yeah. is a really interesting take from people who claim to follow the gospel of Christ. Okay. That's, and that's enough of that one. I'm going to hand over to these guys. Uh, so Jed, I'd love you to kick us off. There is, you know, again, different people use it in different ways, but for some, maybe for someone who's trying to spook you, uh, what might they be trying to imply by saying the wokeness? Totally. Okay. So interestingly, I I actually literally did find a dictionary definition. This is from noted liberal bastion, Merriam Webster Dictionary. (laughs) Nah, they hate your freedoms. Sounds like a feminist agenda to me. (laughs) (laughs) So the fine folks at Merriam Webster who, you know, they're liberal shills, all of them. Exactly. Uh, They uh, woke adjective. Uh, chiefly U.S. slang, defined, aware of and actively attentive to important societal facts and issues, especially issues of racial and social justice. That sounds terrible. Read. One more time, because it, it's the kind of thing where, like, who could be against that? So you probably weren't mm-hmm. paying attention. So we'll, we'll read it again so you can, you can hear the dark satanic undertones. Adjective, chiefly U.S. slang, aware of and actively attentive to important societal facts and issues, especially issues of racial and social justice. It's exactly what Matt told you it is. It's people who acknowledge that racism exists and that it hurts people. Why would anyone be against that? Good question. Let's take a little trip in the Wayback Machine and go back in time for a bit. Uh, It's important. People who call themselves Christians in the United States have for many, many, many years needed, in order to be a part of their culture war, a boogeyman. They need a bad thing that's coming to get us all, and it's the source of all badness in the world, and it's going to ruin everything. And again, they, they need that because they need there to be a culture war, and they need there to be a culture war so that you will give them money and you will vote the way they tell you to. That's, that's what this is for. When I was a kid, there was a different boogeyman, and if you're young, you may not have heard this term because it's not really used anymore, but the term was political correctness. And it is the worst It's PC thing- gone mad. It's PC gone mad, man. Um, It is the worst thing that's ever happened. And if you can dig it, political correctness and being woke are almost identical. The ideas are functionally speaking the same. But when I was a kid, that was the boogeyman. I mean, like you, you couldn't read or watch or listen to anything from Christian culture without being told that political correctness is going to ruin us all and it's going to burn America to the ground. The actual definition of both political correctness and of wokeness is simply respecting that people who are different than me have personhood yep. and have dignity. Mm-hmm. That In both cases, that's, that's actually what those things are about. And recognizing that if people who are different from me are having their personhood disrespected, 
that is wrong because they they are people created in the image of God and therefore endowed with innate dignity and worth and value. The skewed definition, the the definition that folks who are anti-woke basically want to give you is that this is all about the elimination of my freedoms. Mm. This is all about the elimination of my ability to do what I want whenever I want to do it. And I want to offer you two thoughts on that that are worth thinking at. The first is if you're a Christian, uh, Galatians chapter 5 verse 13 tells you directly how your freedom is intended to be used as a Christian. And what it says is that you are to use your freedom to build one another up in love. That's literally what the Bible says your freedom is for. So if you're trying to have freedom so that you can be crappy towards other people, that is by definition unchristian. That is by definition anti-biblical. The second thing that I would encourage you to look at is that concerns over political correctness and concerns over wokeness and concerns over cancel culture are all basically the same thing. And let me tell you why I say that. They are all based on the idea that I should always be able to say what I want with no consequences ever. And anything that would threaten that birthright, that's the enemy. And we have to oppose that with every fiber of our being. Okay, a few things on that. The first is Christians are called to watch what they say. Like that comes up a lot. Like it is fundamentally unchristian to just run your mouth and say whatever you want to all the time. And uh, that's just, that's not the Bible. I mean, like you can literally read the book of James where it talks about how a, a person who can control their tongue is basically perfect because that's how important it is and how hard it is. Like this is a big deal. But the second thing is this also betrays a fundamental lack of understanding of the government that you exist under, right? A lot of this is a distortion of the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. There is this thing called freedom of speech or freedom of expression, but very briefly, that gives, that protects you most of the time from governmental reprisals over things you say. You can say, I don't like this president, and that president can't throw you in jail for it. It doesn't protect you from other people thinking you're a jerk when you say mean things. Folks have been talked into believing that they have a right that they don't have. They have a right where if I am, you know, again, a certain skin color in a certain economic class and, you know, a certain gender, I should be able to do whatever I want at all times with no consequences. When no one ever told you you had that right, and the Bible definitely doesn't tell you that you have that right. And now there's the sense of, well, something threatens that. That thing must be the devil. That's the deal with Woke. That's the deal with Woke, the title of a sermon that I sincerely hope no one has ever written or performed. Because <laughs> yikes. Uh, all excellent, excellent uh, stuff. Well put by Jed and Lee. Where do we close this out? Completely and totally agree. One little short parting shot is um, for... <sighs> And so much of the noise of this comes from people who call themselves Christians, um, people who, what that word means is, uh, what it should mean, what it's technically supposed to mean is someone who has given their life to and is seeking to follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ, who literally in Matthew chapter 7 said, treat others the way you want to be treated. Dude, this is the heartbeat of this entire thing. 
you live in a pluralistic society. I live in a pluralistic society. There are people who are different from us. Fundamentally, that means they think and understand things in ways that are different than my ability to think and understand. The whole idea is it's time for me to wake up to the reality that I might have to change some things about the way I see the world and the way I interact in it so that I can be more inclusive, more caring, more loving, and actually a good citizen in a world where it's pluralistic and people are different than I am. Jesus, I I took a long time to say what Jesus said very simply, which is treat others the way you want them to treat you. It's so unbelievably axiomatic and so unbelievably simple. And the fact that people who call themselves Christians would be against the idea of my neighbor saying to me, the way that you talk about me hurts me, and that I would somehow defend my ability to go on hurting them, that is absolutely insane. Um, if, If we are indeed people who claim to and seek to follow Christ, if my neighbor says to me, the way you treat me hurts me, then my number one response is, I'm so sorry that I did that. It's time for me to change and to look at some things about myself. Would you help me to understand? Because as a follower of Christ, Jesus Christ has given me this directive to treat others the way I want to be treated. That's absolutely right uh, from both of these guys. I, I will take us to one one more throwback concept from the 90s, uh, which we keep talking about. It was, long, it was a long time ago. The 90s were what, six, seven years ago, which is it's odd that we keep talking about it like it's that far in the past. Um, to go along with PC, uh, one of the things that, the churches, and this probably goes back even a little further in the 80s, were very concerned of was the idea of moral relativism. Ooh. That we would reject the idea of an objective truth. That there, it is what it is, and there's nothing we can do about it, and we'd negotiate it with it, and you know, deny and run from the truth. And you see that filtering down today, people talking about you know, young people or liberals or whatever just hate the truth and run away from it and can't acknowledge it, da-da-da-da. And then they turn around and say, well... You can't teach the thing that happened in school because then people would know that like some super racist stuff happened. And that would mean my kids, that would, that would be uncomfortable. So let's not do that. So you had things like the 1619 Project and all the, the the little thing in Florida with the Don't Say Woke and all the Stop Woke Act, which I believe is actually what they called the thing that passed in Florida, uh, which all basically comes down to the idea of you can't ever actually call something racist. And other aspects too, you know, obviously that covers, you know, misogyny and homophobia and transphobia, but to focus on the race piece, cause it's kind of the easiest to quantify in certain ways. You get literal things like people standing up in places, government built government areas, educational areas just saying, well, just because someone ran the Confederacy, doesn't mean they were racist. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just because we maybe founded this denomination based on the idea that black people aren't equal to other people doesn't mean you can't say just because someone, this was an actual article recently. So as I've, as a very prominent uh, conservative commentator, conservative Christian commentator in America, uh, who found out that his father was in the Klan in the, in Louisiana in the fifties and sixties, I believe. And, uh, but he pointed out, I don't know. I don't know that he was racist. He was just a member of the Klan. (laughs) That's, that's racist <laughs> because there's this weird thing where as long as you can kind of keep it 
nebulous and, oh, we can never know what's in someone's heart, da 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 da, then we never have to do anything. We never have to right. acknowledge a truth. We never have to take a fearless moral inventory, as our friends in the recovery community say. We never have to look at the plank in our own eye, as Jesus would put it. It's just this constant kind of, well, who's to say, and maybe it wasn't that bad. And that's why the concept of woke is a threat to those people and that system, because it is acknowledging, like, no, this is, this, you just look around, you see the evidence, like, pretty pretty messed up system we got here that, uh, you know, out, people who look like me benefit from, which is an uncomfortable thing. Here's the thing about truth, often uncomfortable. Yep. Often that's how you know it's a truth. Yep. So if someone who's in a position of putting themselves in a position of spiritual authority or leadership or whatever in your life is constantly saying, so, well, we cannot, this cannot be true because it makes me uncomfortable. That is really super, not a Christian idea. That's kind of the opposite of the way Jesus talks about truth and talks about our relationship to it and the constant need to grow and evolve and acknowledge things and continue in these ways. So, um, woke, it's fine. If someone is weird about it, they're being weird. Um, you do not have to be concerned about being associated with it. You know, if you don't like the word, then that's fine. It's again, particularly in certain cultural contexts, if you're not in America, if you're not, it's, you know, don't have the debate about the word. I think that's part of what we're saying here is there's a thing underneath that, that is kind of unequivocally, uh, we would say good unequivocally, uh, pointed in the way that Jesus teaches his uh, people who follow him to be and to see the world. Uh, so there's nothing to be afraid of there. All right. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com slash ask. If you want to keep that entirely anonymous, take you out with a song this week. This is uh, from a record Lee put out several years ago. It's called Don't Chase Shadows. Great tune. A lot of fun. Take out. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. My love, I know that you're sorry Well, I've seen every tear as they fall But I do not want you to worry Because I have covered it all And I know that beating yourself up Well, it feels like you're doing your part but let go, turn around and look up Cause it's time for a carefree heart So don't chase shadows Come and stand in my light And don't try to hold smoke My love is a fire burning
Free in. 